Just Malcolm Byron. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. 48 degrees. Is that correct? 48 degrees in the capital city right now. Might want to want to get a jacket out, getting ready to go to work this morning or wherever you might be going. I, I I did go outside last night, and the first thing I said is about nine thirty. First thing I said when I came in, I was like, "It's football weather outside." <laughs> it is. It got that first that first crispness that I'd felt in a while. It was kind of an autumn feel weather-wise yesterday. They announced the 24-25 football schedules for the Big Ten, and they went, you know what? Yep. M- M- Mother Nature's feeling it. Yeah, I think so, and that's kind of what it's like this morning. Uh, we'll get up to the, the uh, mid-upper uh, 70s today, but uh, chilly, crisp, and nice here this morning as we get going on a Monday. I am Jack Mitchell, along with Caleb Henry, Hello. who is back. It's me. Uh, yeah, I was, I mean, all. I mean, I, it was great. I, I, I did have McMaster and Johnny in with me yesterday, but or excuse me, on Thursday and Friday, but I believe that's the first time that I've uh, I've done the show without you or Mark here. Yeah, it was. There would have always been at the, least one of us. The training wheels were off for me <laughs> uh, when it comes to comes to this show. But you, you had to remember how to how to lead the show. Yeah, I did. I did. Instead of giving it up to you guys, to take over. You guys are the main attraction. We, now. we just we just point you in the direction and say, "Go be entertaining." Right. You do it. Right. LNK today with Mark and Caleb and friends as uh, a you know it's obviously a big hit. We do what we can. Uh, so yeah, so we're, we're going to hear a little bit more, uh, later in the show about your, uh, about your trip, about going to, uh, Orlando on the first ever flight with Redway. So we'll find out a little bit more about that now, but just real quick, just, just generally how's Orlando before hot. we get into the, we get a little bit later into the, the flight and the situation itself. Hot, yeah, hotter than very, Lincoln, huh? Very hot down there. I have, uh. I'm a little tanner in some places and a little redder in a lot of others. Okay, uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was uh, that that whole the whole flight is just phenomenal. There, there's there are a lot of great things I'll have to say yeah. about the the flight out of the Lincoln Airport and what what Redway has beginning here. Um, but then obviously for for us as a family to go down and vacation, Millie's first flight, her first time seeing or being in the ocean. Uh, just a lot, a lot of great things over the weekend. Yeah, very cool. Uh, what things? So you went to the beach, and um, you know, since since she's a little younger and and so forth, I know you didn't do like the full Disney situation. But what what did you do while you were there? Um, so we went to Disney Springs a couple of times, so which is, is kind of it, it's like a it's a Disney version of like outlet stores is kind of the way that gotcha. it, that it looks but everything is Disney themed while you're in there it's it's got a Disney feel without being a paid for Disney theme park there there's a lot going on there's live music all over the place at one point Millie stopped outside of one of their it's like this Irish bar and they had a live band and she's just peering through the gate she's like yes live music <laughs> um, there, there's obviously there's like a Star Wars store and a Disney toy store and a whole bunch of that stuff through there but it's it's a beautiful little area that's free to walk around in and we had to make our first stop at Chicken Guy which is Guy Fieri's oh, uh, yeah. ch- chicken place and, and Millie really enjoyed the fries 
surprise there. Uh, the catch-up is always a big hit with her. Great job, um, guy. Uh, yeah, good job. Um, but but yeah, so so we did Disney Springs a couple of different times uh, to walk around with some stuff there. We went over to Cocoa Beach on Saturday morning. That's about it was about an hour fifteen drive. Got got her floaties on so she could float a little bit further away to where she couldn't stand. She really loved that. She just kept saying, "I'm swimming into ocean." And I was like, "Yes, you are." <laughs> um, we had a we also had a pool there at the the hotel, so we did that. Went over to the Florida Mall there in Orlando, did the Crayola experience. So it's all just like crayon things and, and stuff you're making, and um, that it was all just it was a lot of fun the the whole weekend trying to go from place to place. At, at times, I did feel bad that. For a two-year-old, it's like, okay, now we need to go to this. We were trying to plan to get to this. Right. And it was like, I think we should have planned in just a little bit more downtime for her right. to just decompress and run around. It's tough when you only have a few days, yeah, because you probably have things on your agenda, and so you want to try and get those things mm-hmm. in. But yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it, was, it was great. Had a good weekend. That's uh, that's great. Good to, good to have you back. Uh, speaking of Guy Fieri... Uh, my big story from the weekend is that I don't know if you saw my <laughs> Facebook post or my tweets, but I found out that I have an evil twin that lives in Spokane, Washington, or that. lived in Spokane, Washington. I'm watching as, as I to inspire myself when I I make food. A lot of times I will turn on uh, old episodes of Diners, Drives, and Dives while I while I cook in the kitchen, and I would I, I was doing that last night. I was making some food ahead for the week and. Uh, I about lost my mind because uh, I was looking at the TV and they'll interview the patrons at restaurants and, you know, that, that they go to and ask them why they like the place, etc. And one of the guys there in season 11 of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dies, I'm almost sure is my evil twin. Oh, my gosh. Caleb's, <laughs> Caleb's put it up on the screen. And, like, sometimes you don't have a good... And, and so you never know. Like... This is a weird thing to say, but like sometimes I don't totally know how I look. Like you know, you'll look at a picture of yourself, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh, that's what I look like." <laughs> I, which I, it's usually not a good thing, right? It's usually not a good thing. <laughs> uh, but I've you know, I I saw this guy. I don't know. What do you think? You see the picture? Yes, I absolutely Are you, see that. I sh- I showed it. So my daughter. My daughter looked at it, and she thought it was crazy. She thought it looked exactly the same. My son and my wife weren't as quite as fired up about it as we were. But, yeah, I posted it on uh, my Facebook page, uh, if you want to go there and, and look at it. And so and I had to actually go back and look. I put, put for comparison a picture of me uh, about 10 years ago with this. Now, I learned later this was filmed in 2011, in 2011. Um, this episode, because it's season uh, 11, episode 9, if you want to go look it up. I don't know why you would, but if you want to. And uh, and so, and then I, so I went back and looked at some pictures of myself in about the same era, and it's crazy. It is, <laughs> it is, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced where you have seen someone just out in the world that you don't know that looks like your twin, but it is a freaky feeling to look at that. I'm still looking, and I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm surprised that that just wasn't you in, like, like you were just on vacation up there. I 100%, in fact, I posted it on, on Twitter, and I said, uh, I said people forget that I was in season 11 of Diners and Drivers and Dives, and I think people really, I mean, they definitely thought it was me. They definitely did. So 
I, I, I'm curious if, if you've ever found, maybe we all have this in the world. We have this in the country. We've got a, you know, a complete twin somewhere that exists that it's just a matter of whether we discover or not. Mm. And so now I like want to go back and see how this person is aged since 2011 uh, and find out if this person has, you know, had the same, had, you know, similar hair loss that I've had since that time, <laughs> similar graying that I've had since that time, and figure it all out. But that was a bizarre, bizarre experience. So I'm curious. Go to the Facebook page and look tonight uh, or today if you if you want to and see if you agree with me uh, that it's it's a it is ridiculous. This is it is freaky. Now he actually talked on there. You can watch it. He ta- I didn't put, post the video. He doesn't sound like me. Okay, that, I was going to say if he sounds yeah, like he you, didn't, then I have. Concerns. I don't think he. I think he actually. It was weird. Like I expected my own voice to be coming out of him, but it was. It was definitely weird. It was not. It was not that. Oh, we found the version thing. of you that can do accents and voices. Alan, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not. I doubt Pacific he can do. Northwest. I doubt he can. <laughs> Why did the Pacific Northwest you just de- decide to yell? I don't know. I don't know, but I guarantee he doesn't do Bernie Sanders as well as I do. No, not even There's no, there's no doubt about that. So (laughs) that was my major excitement this week is that I found my evil twin roaming around, apparently Spokane, Washington. And if anybody has friends or relatives in Spokane, please send this their way because I am now searching. We're on the lookout. I, I do need to find and meet my, my evil twin. So, uh, yeah, had that. Uh, that was that was really my my big thing this entire weekend. Um, you know, uh, and then uh, it, what else? Do we, I mean, quiet weekend here for for you. You get into the summer a little bit, Caleb. This time of year, and we no longer have our uh, our legislature right going nuts mm-hmm. during the course of the week to to talk about when we come back on Mondays. Um, we are. Uh, it's, it's just a little, it's a little bit slower with all the things going on right now and it's fine. That's good. I think, I mean, I think we could have all used the break just a little bit as well. Um, and then in terms of the, in terms of the sports world, in terms of the Husker world as well, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's just slowing down a little bit commitment from, uh, the, uh, son of former punter, Sam cook, yeah. he's going to be coming to, Nebraska, Camden, uh, Camden. I think I'm saying it right. Cook. Uh, yeah. So um, Sam came out of Seward, and now uh, Camden, Sam grew up punting for the Ravens for years and years and years. And so his son uh, punter uh, begets another punter. Yeah, uh, evidently. Well, well, Sam changed the way punting worked in, right. in the football world. They're like he, he put science into it. It wasn't just okay. You're gonna just punt the ball as far as you can, and then it became okay. Maybe you can kind of punt it in a direction or put a little bit of hang time. He started doing it like it was golf shots. Like right. we're gonna put a certain spin on it. We're gonna hope it lands here, and we're gonna make it die here, or it's gonna roll there. It was revolutionary, and now you start to see what that looks like with a legacy Husker coming to Lincoln. Yep, yep. And then the other the other thing uh, that's still, I guess, I haven't talked to you yet extensively about or at all about the new scheduling for yeah. the Big Ten going forward, 2024-2025, um, and exactly how Big Ten, the Big Ten is going to do that. Iowa is the only annual game. There are no other annual games after that. And then yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, Tom Chattel had an article in the Omaha World-Herald. If, if you are remotely in the Husker world, 
You did not miss this. Yeah. Uh, so the the open of his article about the scheduling situation and what exactly kind of the strategy is going to be with non-conference games going forward uh, was something Tom Chattel wrote about. But one little line in it, maybe a bit of a throwaway line, was the thing that got all of the discussion yesterday. Uh, basically said, he said, uh, I'll read it for you, a Big Ten expansion down the road may bring more heavies to the ever-growing neighborhood. Notre Dame, Florida State, Miami, talking about the potential of those teams eventually joining the Big Ten. Uh, he said, what lurks is a season-long conference playoff to make a 12-team national playoff. This is the world Nebraska lives in. It beats slubbing in the Big Ten West. Bring it on. And So that line, by that the way, line, is what was used on all the social media posts as well. So people didn't even have to get into the article to see. It was like that. the World Herald posted that when they posted the article. Yep. Yeah. That was the hook. Yes. And it was, again, kind of a throwaway line a little bit, but it got response from everywhere. Essentially, the main crux of the response being Nebraska, having never really competed extensively in the Big West, I guess with the the exception of winning it back in the day under Bo Pelini, is, well, oh, that, no, oh, no, that no. was the Legends of the Leaders. That's right. Yeah, I didn't the, even Nebraska that. has never won the division. Never won it as it was uh, in the West and the East with the current lineup mm-hmm. of that whole thing. Um, essentially saying, wait, you can't you can't say that if you're a writer that covers the team that has been completely poor, that the Big Ten West is slumming it when mm-hmm. you have a team. You as a team have just been wildly underperforming. Right. And so... Nebraska is getting blasted everywhere because of this. And I don't think, I mean, the thing is that thought gets kind of imputed to the fan base. Mm-hmm. And I think very few of the people in the fan base are were truly you know, supportive of that characterization. Right. I think that's something, though, and I actually I had, because I saw this article before we left on our flight yesterday. So I had some time just on the flight with some other people who are Husker fans or cover the Huskers and just kind of talking about it a little bit. And my thought was, now you have social media to see how a fan base truly feels. It used to be, and it still is that way for 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 to an extent at least, trying to figure out how a fan base feels about a certain topic runs through the writers. It runs through those that cover the team. So if you have a writer for the state's major paper um, in the two largest cities between the World Herald and the Journal Star here, that tells other fan bases this is how Nebraskans feel about the Big Ten, the Big Ten West, and the upcoming schedules. It's not always 100%, and certainly with... With uh, with Chattel's article yesterday, it might not even be fifty percent, but but that is how nationally everyone views how local fan bases feel about their team and about topics. We do we feel the same way here because if there's something that goes on in Ohio, guess what? We're checking the eleven whatever, and, and we're looking at what those writers say about Ohio State, yeah. and that that's the how we get the sense of what they're feeling. So for others outside of Nebraska. Yes, if if Tom Chattel says something, if Sam McEwen says something, if Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, if any of these guys write something to the outsiders, that's how they are going to perceive how Nebraskans feel about this. Yeah, for right or wrong, and that that's right. just the way it is. And I, I I don't know that that's 
you know, that many fans would describe it that way. I no. th- it's just, yeah. But, and, and so there was plenty of blowback. It really set Husker social media ablaze yesterday and people outside the program and, and all of that. But listen, it's June. It's June and there's still two plus months, uh, before we get going with this mm-hmm. thing. And so off season topics and off season debates come hot and heavy. And that one did yesterday as well. So I, I, I will, I will say this and maybe I'll end up writing, writing something as well for KLIN.com and for, for Husker Max, but, for for Nebraska, yeah, you have been mid to bottom of a bad division in college football. Your division has never won its conference title, and you haven't made that conference title from this division. But also the style of play was just bad in this division when you're trying to do something for a conference title or something of really national relevance like the college football playoff or win those New Year's, New right. Year's Six Bowls. right. Whether you want to call it slumming or you want to just call it bad football that's been played in Lincoln and in the division, losing the divisions is good for Nebraska. It's good for the Big Ten as a whole because now you can't just go try to play punter football. Yeah, and that's that's the way it's been played. So teams have to adjust. It's good. It's it's good to get a, a new look at the division, uh, as especially as here Nebraska goes through changes with the program. I think all of this is good going forward. Wording is tough, especially when that's what gets grab, grabbed upon on uh, social media. Yeah. So, and then on another note, you know, we were, uh, we've been doing the last several days this kind of breaking down of the 2024 and 2025 football schedule. And there are volleyball fans out there like, hey, we got a schedule coming. We got a game coming up in a few weeks. And we still don't have a schedule. Yeah, Lincoln Arneal is like, okay, so are we going to get the 2030 Big Ten schedule before we even get the 2023 yes. volleyball I've schedule? I've got to imagine we are days, if not hours away, from actually getting some information on that. It's got to be. So hopefully tomorrow by the time, uh, that'd be nice if we get it before uh, John Baylor comes on with us tomorrow. You know what'll happen, though. Discussion. What's that? 8.58, yeah. right as we're into that break, post-JB. Yeah, the 9 a.m. news dump. You can always count on that. <laughs> always. All right, we'll grab a break right now. Caleb's got a, Caleb's got a full sports cast coming up. Uh, Ten minutes from right now, we'll get into the sound off. Of course, more reaction over the weekend. The Trump indictment, a crazy, crazy accident uh, in the northeastern United States. And... A story out of the Amazon jungle that you've got to hear to believe. Amazon? Yeah. That's all uh, That's all coming up at the Sound Off 625. You listen to LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK today. Well, Lincoln was uh, Lincoln two degrees away from a record low Ooh. this morning. Why? Ni- why you got to do this to me when I've just spent time at the beach? Nineteen seventy-four. The record low for this date today was forty-three degrees. Lincoln bottomed out at forty-five uh, in the early morning hours. We're at forty-eight right now. So yes, it is. If it feels uh, unseasonably cool out there right now, and and I. And I'll say this, I mean, pleasant. It's it's nice. It feels great. Uh, but that is, uh, yes, that's close to a record, but just missed on that. Um, coming up a little later, we're going we're gonna to hear more from Caleb. Uh, a little bit more kind of from just the airline side of things uh, on, on taking this trip. He and 
Uh, many others were on the first trip out of the Lincoln Airport from Redway, and they're uh, getting their service started. And so Caleb went down to Orlando, so we'll hear a little bit about what that experience is going to look like for people who are taking that opportunity. A little bit later in the show, we'll have our morning drive. We'll count down the five things people are talking about today. Tim Haruza going to join us. Mike Schaefer going to join us as well. So starting out a busy morning here in the capital city. But let's get in on the the uh, sound off right now. Uh yeah, did you hear while you were gone, Caleb? Uh, not only did the Big Ten schedule come out for 2024 and 2025, but a former president was indicted by the federal government. Yeah, I heard. You did you? Yeah. I heard, and I said, "Well, not for me." <laughs> no, you don't. You didn't need to think or talk about that at the time. I did. I did a little bit here, uh, but at, during the weekend, as you can imagine, that was a, a huge topic of discussion in the uh, realm of the news and talk world. Uh, let's get the uh, let's get the latest on that story. Mr. Trump has been indicted on 37 counts related to the alleged mishandling of classified White House documents stored in various locations around his Mar-a-Lago estate in Palm Beach, Florida. The charges include 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information, with other charges related to Mr. Trump's alleged efforts to conceal the documents from federal investigators. At rallies over the weekend, Mr. Trump accused federal prosecutors of trying to suppress his political ambitions, but he says that will not deter him for his campaign for a second term in the White House. All right. Um, is, it, is it as weird to you when you hear people say Mr. Trump? Yeah, I think I would say. Is, are you supposed to say when if somebody's a former president, do you still call them president? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that would that would sound more normal to me. Yeah. Because yeah. I know his thing was always that he was Mr. Trump, but then he, like, he's still he's president. It's like if you ever if you ever read the uh, like the Wall Street Journal, they are very they always do the Mister Ms. Mrs. thing with everybody that they talk about. Other newspapers don't do it. I always uh-huh. I always notice that. So, but anyway, you know, with I mean, I think we've I I I, I think I've kind of given you a preview of where I'm gonna what I'm gonna say and what I'm not gonna say about this because it's like anything with him, right? Everybody's everybody's already decided on this whole thing and you don't need you don't you don't need nor do you probably want my opinion <laughs> on any of it. So if there are legal questions that are answerable and helpful without injecting my own, you know, personal thoughts onto this whole thing, I'll I will try to do that, but so it's the little bit that I was able to to glean from like social media stuff over the weekend. It's the the way he's indicted is through the Espionage Act, but it's not espionage. Right, the names of the it's the Espionage Act, but the names of the charges that are listed are not. It's not actually espionage. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's correct. Um, yeah, and I have. I mean, I did. I did read the indictment, so to the extent that there's any, you know, anything worth talking about within it, uh, in terms of actually breaking it down or analyzing it, I I can do that. But this, you know, really boils down. Like I said when we talked about it earlier, or at the end of last week, is um, you know people who tend to tend to support Trump tend to think that this is is uh, overreach by the the executive branch of of the Biden administration and and think it's inconsistent with what the FBI or the Department of Justice did with Hillary Clinton 
uh, people who tend to be against Trump tend to think that um, that finally he's gotten caught in something that he is not going to be able to get out of, and he's finally being held to account for these things that he's doing, and those sides are going back and forth, and you've got politicians making all of those statements and riling up the people who already think that and agreeing with them. And it's just, it's just not a... where. I just I don't find it a particularly a particularly produ- productive conversation mm-hmm. anywhere about this entire thing. Um, like like a more interesting conversation to me a, a little bit right now is like what what it what's actually going to happen with this thing, right? Yeah. Just taking out your own you know opinion and your own sort of diagnosis of exactly of actually why this happened and who's the bad guy in the whole thing. It is interesting to me to to wonder, okay, how does this then unfold? What are the impacts of this? Um, he goes to court on Tuesday in Miami and has that initial appearance there. He expects to plead not guilty there. That's, the, that's what I assume he will do. How long does this stretch on? Because think of the timeline on this on this whole thing. A year from now, you're going to be coming to the end of the Republican primary, uh-huh. you're going to be coming to the Republican convention where they'll put forward their candidate, and then obviously a year and a half from now, you'll be in the general. You'll be in the throes of the general election or, or voting, basically in the in the general election. Which I would presume it, things move a little faster in federal court than they typically do in state court, and so. I mean, that's sort of the zone in which this whole thing resolves itself, mm-hmm. I think, one way or another. If if it you know, if you go through the litigation process and go to trial and um I mean, is there going to be a trial? The, the amount of the amount of craziness that this portends for twenty twenty four is just it's hard to it's hard to overstate with yeah. this whole thing. And I mean I, he he legitimately could be on trial for you know in federal court uh, while getting votes for either the primary or the general election mm-hmm. or not necessarily getting votes but but running for that that right. whole thing. Yeah, I think that's that's the angle that that I really do think anyone can agree on is the the most the the biggest part of this because there are going to be some people that just think anything Donald Trump does is bad. And that that's the end all be all of it. And he's absolutely guilty here. So let's just hurry that up. And then you've got the other side where it's any every he single can't do anything yeah, wrong. Yeah, every single well, thing it's he what does, he said, he could shoot somebody on the on right. the street. Um, he, I think he's right. About and then that. you've got all everywhere that's in between there and whether or not you think Donald Trump is being targeted because he's potentially or he is running for for 2024. The biggest part of all this, like you said, is what is the ultimate fallout? How fast does this move? Right. How much of an impact does this ultimately have on the GOP primary and then potentially the 2024 general election for the presidency? And and I don't, you know, I I think it probably Listen, if you were if you were convicted on this, I I don't think I mean, I don't think he could win the general election. I don't. I don't think he can win the general. Now, I still think he could win the primary, though. And so the the timing on this is interesting. Could it happen? What if it happens before the primary? What if it happens, you know, in the summer, um, in between the primary and the, or the early fall in between the primary and the general? Because he said even if he's convicted, he will go forward and uh-huh. continue 
to run. That's what he said, at least. And so I guess the question is, from uh, the, the political question is, what impact does going through the process of this have on his electoral chances? And then what would a conviction or an exoneration mean in terms of those mm-hmm. those chances as as well? And I'm still of the belief that I'm I'm still of the belief that I don't think I don't think just the way that even his opponents are ta- most of his opponents are talking about this. I I don't think it would impact his chances to win in the primary. No, I really not don't. One, not one bit. I don't. I don't think it would. Uh, for better or for worse, I just I don't. As a matter of fact, it, I think I don't think it would. I think it would impact in a way that it would. This is probably going to boost Trump. Right. Uh, yeah. I think. I think with with some people, it'll it'll there'll be high energy voters. Yes. It in and people who are going to get out and vote for him that this will motivate to do more so. So, uh, yeah, I think I think a huge question on this is the timeline and exactly how how quickly it gets resolved. How you know I don't know how. I would assume it's a fairly complex, you know, a fairly complex litigation that's going on in terms of sort of the chain of custody of all of these documents and and all of those sorts of things as well. And you got new lawyers that are coming on now. And how does that impact the whole thing as well? But here we go. Uh, and then, you know, Tuesday and then you hear Tuesday on Miami, they're getting they're getting uh police ready just in case something crazy happens there it didn't really happen and they said the same thing before they went to new york and and did that whole thing as well um yeah i mean i and 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 i guess the only other thing i'll add is i think that new york one is an that is an uphill battle for the prosecutor there Mm -hmm. in terms of the legal part of it um just from just from seeing the indictment on that one uh this one I wouldn't say feels that way <laughs> as much. You know, listen, you uh, whether you like that or not, that's that's what I would say just from reading it. It, it. But it all comes down. But guys, it all comes down to whether or not you can prove these these facts that you allege. Again, it's it's an if the facts, if they prove the facts that they are alleging, the prosecution, if they do that, that's the assessment that I'm making on the one in New York and on this one. As well, and if they can, um, yeah, I think I, I mean, man, did you? Bill Barr went on this weekend and on Fox, and he said he's if they can prove half of what they said, he's toast. Those are his words. He said that. So anyway, that's that's where we got there. Meanwhile, speaking of Miami and speaking of Republicans running for president, you didn't get enough last week when you had three more candidates jump into the race. You may be getting another one yet. This week, more choices for your Republican nomination for 2024. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez on Fox News Sunday said what's coming up for him in a few days. A big speech in the Reagan Library, and I think it's one that America should tune into. Suarez did not say specifically if he'd announce for president, but his candidacy has been speculated. He did, however, sound like a candidate, saying he'll talk about America's future. A future that creates prosperity, not poverty. A future that promotes a freedom and liberty, not cancel culture like we've seen. The Reagan Presidential Foundation says Suarez's speech is set for Thursday. Gernal Scott, Fox News. Uh, yeah, he does. I mean, that does sound like yeah. a, um, doing a speech from the Reagan Library and America should watch. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you might have, so you could have 
the you could have both the Florida governor and the Miami mayor, both Republicans, vying for the uh, for the presidency here. Uh, all right, other things going on here this weekend. Did you see that video uh, from? The I ninety five collapse yesterday. No, I, I saw. Cow. I ultimately saw a a picture of just kind of the the bridge down, but just in in incredible mess. Commuters surrounding Philadelphia preparing for traffic nightmares over the coming weeks, perhaps even months. An elevated section of I ninety five collapsed after a tanker truck carrying flammable cargo exploded into flames beneath the highway this morning. No one was hurt, but transportation officials warn there will be extensive delays and street closures while the roadway undergoes major repairs. More than 150,000 vehicles travel on I 95s north and southbound oh, lanes oh every gosh. day. Can you imagine? That I mean, like a commute a like that where it, with a major city where. It's not like one lane is closed, right? I mean, it is it is collapsed. It is untravelable here at this point. Um, and so uh, amazing that, that nobody was hurt in this whole thing, but it was an absolute mess, and it's going to take a long time to to deal with that. I so. played the bad traffic game over the weekend, driving around Orlando. Oh, yeah? Like, especially you get anywhere near the the entrance and exits to Disney yeah. and Universal and SeaWorld. Yeah. If you eliminate like one road around there, right, it's borderline hey, impossible. Sort of like eliminating 84th Street when you're trying to go to Omaha. Yeah, oh, maybe. yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, we got our own Speaking version of, of that. bad traffic. Yeah, I went, I learned my lesson. I have learned my lesson because uh, it, 84th is completely closed at uh, A Street right now, I believe. And so if you're going, if you're going northbound, which I, what we were going to go, we were going to go up to the outlet malls in Gretna yesterday. And so I, you know, I thought I was being smart. I was like, oh, okay, we'll just turn right on a, okay. And we'll go out, we'll go out toward Walton and we'll just get on whatever it is, a hundred, hundred, whatever street that, that is at the 112th street and get out there and then just drive out to, to Waverly from there. And the better decision, I am convinced of it now, would have been to turn left <laughs> and get on 70th and just get past the construction, get out to wherever it would be, Holdridge or Vine or something like that, and then get back on to 84th Street. So I would strongly advise you, even though you're going to be doing backtracking, I think that is probably the way to go because I don't know, I don't know what it is, but going from from 112th and A or 84th and A to Waverly, it felt like that itself was a 45 minute drive. I don't know if it's just that it because it was on gravel and I couldn't go as fast. A bunch of it's on gravel, you couldn't go as fast. But I have no idea what it was. But it felt like I was never going to actually like seeing Waverly was like the promised land for me when <laughs> when I actually did that. Uh, then there's this story out of the Amazon. Uh, this is crazy. A plane crash crash weeks ago leaves several kids, including a baby, alone, stranded in the Amazon, and they survived it for a pretty amazingly long amount of time. Let's find out more about that one. Where did my story on that one go? Um, 
There we go. Let's do this. Colombia's president credited the teachings of the children's family for their astonishing ability to persevere in this dangerous jungle for so long, nearly six weeks. Officials have now revealed that the children, ages 13, 9, 4, and just 11 months old, lived off of cassava flour pulled from the plain, along with fruits that were luckily in harvest season. The siblings are members of the indigenous Witoto people, so the older ones were skilled in navigating the Amazon. That rescue took place about three miles from where the small plane that they'd been traveling on with their mother, a pilot, and a co-pilot, where they crashed on May 1st after suffering engine failure. The bodies of the adults were located in the wreckage, but the children were not there. Incredible. 40 days with the oldest being 13. 13, 9, 4, and 11 months traveling with their, their mother um and crashes on on may one and i mean they basically had enough knowledge probably primarily the 13 year old especially but they had enough knowledge of the fruits that were available in the rainforest and they they basically they took from the wreckage and and they, they survived with this thing wow and so they're hospitalized now at this and this they had to eat seeds um and the the 13 year old it was 13 year old girl basically knew her used her extensive knowledge of the rainforest that had been passed on by her mother to to keep them alive for 40 days now that that's one thing for the cuz you said it was it was 13 and then all the way through 11 months yeah the 13 11, was the oldest yeah. yes the an eleven month old. The eleven month old. That's the one that surprises me the most because that one's not able to move around on their own. That one's probably mostly not chewing up their own food. Yes, especially if it's stuff that that's not being able to be handled very well, like you would normally get from an adult wherever they are in the world. Right. Right. Yeah. And. They they didn't even find the plane until the sixteenth of May. It was two weeks until wow. they even found the plane, and and got the bodies of the th- the three adults there at that point. So and they even they even had soldiers drop random boxes of food into not random but dropped boxes of food into the jungle just because hoping. they thought they were alive, hoping that the kids would find it and and they would you know find those boxes of food and that that would keep them alive. I don't know that they ever found one. I was going to say, I, I'd be curious to know if they ever did find those. Yeah, but it's it's just, I mean, it is an incredible story here on this one. Uh, all right, what else do we have going on here this morning? Oh, this is incredible. Uh, it seems like there's more UFO talk lately uh, since the government has begun talking more openly Good. about this. I need this. more of it. Well, this one, you are... I, if you're a believer, this one is just going to bolster the whole thing. Good. This story out of Las Vegas. Back on the night of April 30th, body cam video from Vegas police captured a bright and blue streak across the sky. And the American Meteor Society said people in Nevada, Utah, and Eastern California reported seeing that flash. About 40 minutes later, police say a man in Vegas called 911, saying he and his family saw something fall from the sky and that there were two tall, skinny beings with greenish color between 8 and 10 feet tall with large eyes in the family's backyard. George Knapp, a journalist who reports on UFO-related stories, told Fox News Digital he spoke to the family and didn't detect a hoax. But police say they conducted a preliminary investigation but couldn't find anything. 
And the case was closed as unfounded. Ted Lindner, Fox News. Okay, if if that happens, how quickly are you reaching for your phone to make sure you get a picture? So very quickly. Right? Like, immediately. That, I mean, that's my biggest question about this whole thing. Because I think that's the thing that... Although maybe it was dark and you couldn't see the aliens a, There's a flash around. on your camera. Well, you don't want to scare them. Who knows what they're going to do? I don't know if they come in peace or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I figured if it was violent, we'd have known by now. Well, anyway, so maybe, maybe we've, uh, this was the answer. April 30th in Vegas is when the aliens arrived. Okay. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> it's 656. That's it for your sound off. You listen to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. 48 degrees in the capital city. Got a check of news coming up, and uh, we'll hear from Caleb about uh, about the new flights out of the Lincoln Airport. He was on the uh, the very first ones. So we'll find out a little bit more about that. Got the morning drive, kind of the five things you're talking about today as well. It's all coming up this hour, seven o'clock. KLI and Lincoln. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on this Monday morning, June 12, 2023. It is 709, 48 degrees in the capital city. Glad to have you back with us on this Monday morning. Mark Vale out. He'll be uh, he'll be gone here for another week and a half or so. Then uh, when he comes back, I'm going to leave. So we'll get we'll get back to uh, full strength with all of us down the road in July in a bit. But I'll hold down the fort on our own here, like uh, like I did at the end of last week. And Caleb and Mark will be doing that a little bit later. Uh, but it was Caleb's turn to uh, to go on a trip. Um, he got and I, and I suppose we should. Clarify that you got a you were offered a chance to go on this uh, the trip from the uh, from the Lincoln Airport. Yep, so, yep. Yeah. Redway hooked us up with some tickets to to fly on these inaugural flights down to right. Orlando. Yeah, you could so. see what it was like and 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 talk about it. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it was uh, it was a great experience and for for me personally, just being able to to take my family somewhere and take our daughter on. On her very first flight, I posted the full like two minutes of us getting off the yeah. getting off the ground, and that is a range of emotions in a two year old happening <laughs> from you're you're picking up speed on the runway to all of a sudden you're you're lifting off a little bit, and then you're starting to do some turns in the air, and um, that that was a little bit wild of experience. And you know, on, on just about on any flight, at some point you hit a little bit of turbulence, and they're like, "Hey, what's that?" I'm like. Everything's fine. The the landing parts on any plane you come down, that's always, especially the first time, doesn't yeah. matter how old you are. It's yep. like, man, that landing can always feel like one of the scarier things, but it, it was top-notch from start to finish. It did take a little bit extra time to, to get everything boarded, so we were a little bit delayed initially, but that was the first flight. You're trying to go through and make sure everything is is the way it's supposed to go at the Lincoln Airport is security all set up correctly you've got this you're going to this gate it's a new flight is everyone running stuff the way they're supposed to and it was a full flight too so you had a lot of people going through there so coming out of Lincoln 
it was it was easy going through everything. Not easy making sure you had a toddler try to just stand in place for a little bit. Um, but it was a phenomenal flight going from here down to Orlando, and then the whole weekend we spent there was a wonderful time. The thing that I really like about where where um, Global Crossings and Redway are set up for their terminal in Orlando, and I'm hoping the other places are like this as well because um, they had their their first flights out to Vegas, and they'll start rolling out some of these other ones. But in Orlando, it's Terminal C. So if you're driving into the airport, and we rented a car while we were there, it's the very first left. And you don't have to get into the other two terminals that they have no. there. So it was phenomenal to just go left. And it looked like that was the the lesser used of the three terminals. So to go drop off our rental vehicle and then be immediately there for where we were going to check in and go through everything, it was lickety split right through mm. there. Uh, what for people who are or going to, if people go to a lot of people go to Orlando will use this for a Disney trip. Obviously, that's the the main yeah. reason people go there. How and there there were several people on the flight who were doing that. Yeah, I was going to say how you know just inter, to, especially because it might be something where it is kind of a a quick turn. Given where these flights are, you know, mm-hmm. right? You did it where you went out on what Thursday came we back left on Thursday, Sunday, came and back Sunday. that's when they always come. So unless you're if you're using those flights, and they can go the other way as well, you can leave Sunday, come back on Thursday. That would be the uh, yeah, that would be the other way. But um, in terms of what you could tell, just like you know, the whole process of how, how possible would it be to do do the Disney thing in a short period of time? Extremely possible. That was a question that everyone was asking each other: Are you doing Disney? Are you mm-hmm. doing Disney? And <laughs> obviously, there are a lot of other things to do down there, and we did a lot of other things besides going to that the main Disney parks. But that's that's what everyone like. That's what you think of when you think of right. Orlando. Um, very doable. There are shuttles from the airport. That those those can get you wherever you need to go. And obviously, people can Uber. You can you can call something up to 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 get a ride over there. But it is ex- the accessibility of being able to go different places from that airport is very very easy. Okay, and it is all available right there for you. I've been there years ago. It's been a long time. It's been fifteen years since I was. I think since I was there, so I have been there, but uh, that yeah, that's good. You know, I think that'll you know that's one of the one of the things that'll be ju- is just you know, can you if you would do it either from the like you were talking about either from the Sunday to the Thursday or the Thursday to the Sunday, mm-hmm. could you if you know could you get that trip in and the things that you you want to do do during that time? Um, I think so, especially because we left Thursday. Um, I think 8 a.m. was oh, yes, our was, was our scheduled departure, okay. so that you get there around lunchtime, um, and we went right away to eat lunch, mm-hmm. um, the, trying to just take a two-year-old, and you're like, hey, you've had some snacks, but you definitely need to eat more than these Teddy Grahams while mm-hmm. we're down here. Um, so you can get you can get down there early enough in the day on Thursday that I believe you can still get something out of that day. And just like we did, you have all of Friday and all of Saturday, and you don't have to wake up especially early because the flight didn't leave from Orlando. Uh, the scheduled flight, we started boarding about 1220-ish, and the scheduled flight was for 1250 from there to come back. So you don't have to be up at the crack of dawn while you're out on, in your vacation place. You, there's still plenty of time to get to the airport while you're there. Um, do what have you just kind of in the talk around this? uh, Have you heard either from you know from the airport themselves or anything? Like, do you do you have a sense in sort of how this is going very early on for them? How things are selling? What what sort of the level of excitement about the future of these is? What was it? They had they they put out a tweet 
on Thursday sometime. There have been 10,000 tickets sold. Okay. 10,000 tickets. And the the plane seats 150. So that's the other part on here, if anyone hasn't heard. Um, so there are there are several rows that are two by two, and those are the business class. Mm-hmm. And those are those are the ones right up front. And then there are a few rows. Uh, and the rest of the plane from there is three by three, but there are several rows of premium economy where there's a little bit more room, and then the rest of it is economy. And I had so... I'm six foot three, like 250. I am not a small guy. Okay. <laughs> I had plenty of room. Okay. I had plenty of room. That, that is always one of my main things. If I go somewhere, even if it's a sporting event, am I going to have enough room? And especially when you start to pack me into a public transportation vehicle, am I going to have plenty of room to stretch my legs out while I'm here? Even with, I got I have a carry on and it's up under the seat. I had more than enough room. And that that was something that really worked well for me. The plane is so clean. And obviously they're new <laughs> going mm-hmm. through there, but um everything that you have on the plane it didn't seem like it was a, a first time thing. Mm-hmm. Like you were on the very first flights and they're trying to figure some stuff out. You got on there and you're like, they've been doing this. These are professionals that have been doing Yeah, I was going to say, dude, I know they're sort of like, it's the, the, the concept is like a public charter. Did it feel like uh, just a regular flight on Delta it, United yeah, or yeah, anything felt like, like that? Yeah, it felt like a regular flight that you would get on there. Now, you're, you're coming out of the Lincoln Airport, and they, which, by the way, is gorgeous. Oh, it, yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, It, it, it is that. gorgeous. You get out there and park and walk through there, and it, it doesn't feel like... In, Yes, in the grand scheme of things, we'll, we'll call Lincoln a small a small city. Had you flown out of Lincoln before? I've never flown you out of Lincoln, but, yeah, I, so. but I've been out there and I'd seen what it had looked like previously. Okay. So it, the the upgrades and just all of the the renovations that they've done are phenomenal. I've flown out of smaller airports than this, and I've flown out of bigger airports than this. I love this airport. This is so good for us here in the city. And then the the way it gets down to Orlando, and and because you're able to get into that terminal. The weights were almost nothing. As a matter of fact, because it was not the first time for the Orlando airport trying to set up this plane, our check-in time was faster at the Orlando airport than it was going through Lincoln, oh, really? just because it was the first flight going through there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, Greg on the text line asked if we could talk about the the price of the trips to Orlando. Um, I don't have Redway pulled up right I have now. A, I, I have believe it. it's eighty nine is where their tickets start at. They, they, it's interesting. I was I was looking at the. Well, I didn't pull up Orlando. I pulled up some of the other ones. They're they're they sort of vary a little bit. Like right now, if you wanted to go, well, if you wanted to go like this week, if you want to go, if you want to get on Thursday's flight, uh, you can do it for a hundred four dollars. Um, but the, you, to come back, it would be a hundred thirty-four. Mm-hmm. Um, on that, I'm trying to see if, and you... that's and that's because the reason for that is because some of the different uh, fares have been sold out. Whether it's because they have four different levels right. on on what's included for them, so the reason for some of those price fluctuations is because some of the the very cheapest parts have been sold out already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like that's kind of. That's sort of the range that you're looking at throughout the summer um, for the Orlando flight, at least. Like, I pulled up the Atlanta one. I had the Atlanta one up before this, and they've got return flights for $22 yep. on, on some of the day. Uh, so it's the prices are varying a little bit more now 
than they did when you first looked at it, probably for the reason that you were mm-hmm. just saying is that they've sold they've sold a bunch of these and so the lower the lower fares went first. But uh it looks like the further out that you go on the calendar, the the better chance obviously that you're gonna have of of snagging a cheap one. But yeah, that Orlando one is um yeah, it's get it's it looks like hundred four most of the days that you're yep. gonna pay going out. And the, and the uh, prices and will change. Hundred thirty four on the way back. It depends. It just depends on the day. They're all a little bit. They're all a little bit different. And the prices will change if if you want to add a carry on bag. How many checked bags you have? If you want preferred boarding, um, all of those different things. So that that's where you get some of the the, the price fluctuations. But something that that I've seen Redway do. They have their deals, and I can't remember how, how they. How they name it on social deal. media? Yeah, they're, like right now they've got that Atlanta oh, flight for twenty two bucks, and they have a, a Minneapolis flight for for seventeen dollars. Yeah, and I, I had seen do. before that they they had on their deals there was a flight somewhere, and it was for eleven dollars is where it was starting. <laughs> so if you start at eleven dollars, and then you start to add some of those other things, yeah, it might end up being like sixty bucks, mm-hmm. sixty, eighty bucks, something like that. But when when you you can find these deals that are on there for those starting prices. And I think we had talked about the Minneapolis ones. The starting price for so many of those was like $49. And the week of the Nebraska-Minnesota game, they're going to have flights out on Monday and Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you if you, you want to get on those so yeah that's interesting uh tell me more just about the uh, uh for those who haven't i haven't been to the the airport since it's been renovated but um I, you said you liked it but what's it what's it like there now i mean is it, so we we parked in the parking garage so we just could walk straight across but they've obviously they've got the three different parking lots that are there you've got the the north and the south lot and you've got the parking garage so there's a there's an overhead on it and since we were leaving our car there for a few days we opted for that one you walk across and the Redway is just furthest on the left for check-in. You walked right up, and they take care of you, get get you all, get your bags weighed and all of those things. Brand new scales because it's it's all brand new for for a lot of. Do you guys stuff do all carry on? We did. Um, did we each had a carry bags? on, and we checked three bags as okay. well. Okay. Um. So so we had to go through the checked bag process mm-hmm. for all of that, and they they take the three bags there. You go up an escalator to to go through security and get over to the gate. Pretty simple stuff, like because it's it's not it's not a giant airport. There's not a lot of walking that you have to do. It's once you know where you're at, you get over there, and kind of that's that. Yeah. Is are there like? Can you get like when you get past security now? Is there food or is there a shop there, or anything? There's a uh, there's like a little coffee shop cafe okay. area up there. My wife had to go grab a coffee real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you got up there and. You've got that available. There's some vending available. We took our uh, we took some empty water bottles in there. We filled those up right away. Okay. So that yeah, they're we're you're well taken care of flying out of this airport. Cool. All right. So uh, so there you go. And uh, yeah, now are you going to go back to Orlando sometime and do the full Disney experience? We down? want to. Did you want? Did you want to do that after being there? Yeah, we absolutely did. And it is. Part of it is our daughter is two, so right. yay, yeah, I, I yay, she, we wouldn't have to pay for her at Disney, but also how much of that experience is she going to carry with her as much as seeing the ocean and, and going right. in the ocean right now for the cost of us just driving an hour there? Well, I took, we took, we went there in, what, 2000, was it 2008 or 2009? My son was like four, because I went down there and I ran, it was a fundraising thing, and I ran in the half marathon in Orlando, the Disney cool. half marathon. 
Uh, he doesn't remember it. <laughs> right. Right. So so we want to, and the other part is we want her a little bit older so we could be like, yeah, you have to, you know to stay near us. Right. And a two-year-old who is so insanely active like she is. Yeah. That's not necessarily the case yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everything that, that we did about that trip in Orlando, a lot of our conversations in the car were... Okay, when we come back, let's do this. When we come back, maybe let's stay here. Maybe let's do this. And it wasn't, oh, if we can come back sometime. It was when we come right. back, because we are definitely taking this flight back yeah. to Orlando sometime. SeaWorld is great. I always, I, yeah, I always yep. like SeaWorld when I, when I went there, too. And, and Epcot, obviously. Gatorland. And all those th- mm, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> did you see any gators in Florida? We did not. I did eat gator. Oh, how was that? It was okay. What was it? Is it was it gamey? <laughs> Tastes like chicken. It was it, like it just tasted a little bit different, but it was. I just had it on like a. It was a gator melt, okay. so it was like a little burger. Hmm. Look at you expanding your Hawaii horizons when did, you went to Florida. Did what I could. Very nice. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Just a little bit of a, a step inside of uh, of that experience now that uh, that is here in Lincoln, and we'll see. You know. Well, I'll be curious to hear what other people think. Is uh, obviously there are a lot of people, as you said, going on these flights, and mm-hmm. so we'll see what what people's reviews are, and if the hopefully the prices will continue to stay down where they are, because that's obviously going to be a huge part of it succeeding as well. Yeah. is being affordable. It's, it doesn't make sense to go anywhere else, to right. drive somewhere else to go. It, so. it it is an amenity that we have in our city that if you don't use it, it won't stick around. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing for anything. You see that with yeah. businesses. You see it with restaurants. This yeah. is a tremendous amenity that we got to be using so it sticks around and they can add more places and we can take advantage of it. All right. There you go. It's 725. We'll take a break. we got to check sports coming up next on KLIN. Living in Nebraska means severe weather is always in season. Your severe weather action team is based on 1499.3 KLIN. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is The Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIS. All right, let's get started. Count them down with... Number five. Let me get scrolled back over here. (laughs) Another street closure begins today at South 70th Street from Pine Lake Road to Badger Drive. It's closed for the addition of turn lanes for a private development. The work is scheduled to be completed on Friday. Add it to the list. Add <laughs> it to the list. You know, uh, 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 sounds like this is not a major one, but they did just open up. We talked last week, Caleb, about them opening up 70th Street mm-hmm. down by Saltillo, down where the, the new high school is, Standing Bear High School. So that is actually open so this was, um, yeah, <laughs> this was this is going to be your first chance to take that straight shot on 70th Street all the way down if you're trying to get on the uh, on the Beltway or if you're trying to get to Hickman or something like that. But you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. And I'll repeat what I said earlier in in the show today. Just a little bit of just a little bit of advice if you're taking 84th Street because now you've got a full closure northbound on 84th and A. I would, even though, like, we were going out to Omaha, if it seems like you're smart to turn east and go, you know, since go toward the interstate and go toward um, Waverly, essentially, and, and, and go that way, 
I would still say turn left and go go down 70th and then come back up. We try <laughs> it, just go get on Cornhusker at 70th or turn back up to 84th. We did the we we did it yesterday and and drove basically up to what like Walton up there and then got on 112th and took the gravel road all the way into Waverly. And I don't know like maybe it was all in my head, but I could have swore it took like a half hour to go from 84th and A to get to Waverly doing it that way. I don't know if it was because it was slower on the gravel roads or it was just something in my head or something like that. But if I had had it all to do again, and it, this is obviously a way that this is a major, major thoroughfare. It's the, you know, it's the, the best. I say that in scare quotes. The best way to get from south to north in Lincoln on the east side of town is, is through 84th. But I would go down... 70th and that part, but yeah, it's Caleb. The summer of of road closures continue, and we knew this was coming. This is something that comes along with having improvements in the streets. But holy cow, this summer is already. I mean, it hasn't even been the summer yet, but this has really been difficult. If you have a special, a few uh, places that you regularly go, and you've had to have some major detours this year. Yeah, it really has. <laughs> It's especially impacting you, as as we've heard about. Um, there there have been the the ones that were going across on seventieth that impacted my wife's commute to work and back from work, because um, that whole place in front of uh, the the whole area in front of East seemed like it, there was a bunch of construction always going along there, and then obviously a little bit past there down seventieth. Well, that's where you, that's where like, I just told people to drive too if yeah, they were well, trying to and, avoid eighty fourth. Well, and that's what had been under construction. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, we've got Chris Lofgren who knows a little bit about what's going on with the roads. Uh, a little bit of construction, Chris. It's kind of crazy, I know. One of the things that I want everybody to keep in mind, though, is if your normal route is busier than normal, it's because that's the alternate route for some of these other construction projects. So you've got a lot of traffic not normal for your your well, normal route. I'm sure if you live on that gravel road on 112th Street, it's a lot busier than normal right <laughs> I'm now. I'm sure it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Chris. Number four. Well, every year there's about a thousand children and families across our community that are served in that are served by the Malone Center and that building and that community center is going to be getting a little bit more property for just one dollar making room for a 20 million dollar expansion project yeah so this goes in front of the city council and at least they're considering it they that would uh have this extra this this piece of land so the parcel of land is bordered by antelope creek to the west 22nd street to the east vine street to the north and the city city officials have recommended the city council approve that it be sold for $1 and so they've got a huge 20 million dollar project that they're they're looking at doing on that they they would demolish the current building that's there um and they would they would put together have a three story 52,000 square foot building that they're going to do and that would give some, them about three times as much yeah. Or more than three times as much, about three and a half times as much uh, square footage. Right, yes. Is what they currently have. And so Moen Center's been around, done done a lot of great stuff in the city, but the ability to have this kind of a facility there, the extra room, 
Um, a new building like that would be incredibly significant in the community right now. And I, I, you know, I presume that's why the city is considering doing what they're doing here with that parcel of land. So city council, that goes in front of the city council today. Uh, I assume it's going to happen if they've gotten to this point here. That's going to happen. And the Malone Center can, can get going then once they've got the land on this $20 million project. You can go to their website. They've got the plans on there and kind of outlining what they're going to do. With Office space, classrooms, computer lab, conference rooms, gymnasium, kitchen. Yeah. That, that'll be a giant step forward for that center. Yeah. It's uh, yep. It's it's dedicated private space. Uh, yeah, you said gymnasium, modern modern kitchen as well. So um, they are uh, they are getting going with this thing with the land, and city council is going to be talking about that today. All right, moving on. Number three reports indicate Nebraska baseball coaching staff coming together after Will Bolt made some staff changes following the season. Former Husker pitching coach and Texas A and M head coach Rob Childress is expected to take over the pitchers, while former Wichita State assistant Mike Sirianni will be taking the newly available third full-time assistant position. This will be the first time that baseball staffs will be allowed to have three full-time assistants instead of okay. the two that so they previously So that's why there were two, two hires. Correct. Okay. Um, yeah, it's got to be nice when you can look into your own office and find one of the you know best pitching coaches in the country already there. I mean, yeah, like you wonder, it obviously was the no brainer to, to have him potentially fill this role. It was just a question of, you know, whether that was something that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the question, question that comes out of it too is, you know, how, what will his, what will be his plans going forward? Does he want to become a head coach again in, in college baseball? Because he's obviously got the, the resume and there would be significant interest in him doing that and just sort of the interesting role situation with him and Will Bolt now <laughs> having you know kind of the opposite roles at, at Texas A&M mm-hmm. but uh, yeah Childress I mean I don't know how you obviously got to make that ask if he's there and 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 willing to do it and that's a that's a coaching coup I think you know just to get him down here in the first place and be a part of the program but now be a full-time coach looking at the pitching staff and and that was you know it, statistically Nebraska wasn't wasn't actually terrible in the conference with with pitching but it was in in kind of the long run that was just where they felt like they didn't have enough uh-huh. it felt like they had enough in the hitting but it wasn't it was just kind of some timely execution on some of that but you just didn't quite feel like you had enough that it developed in the pitching staff to really go on a run this year and that's what they want to change here. Yeah, and if you ha- if you can put together cuz it's quality pitching that that'll win you games in the postseason, especially if you look at if you're not going to get an automatic or if you're not going to get one of the at large bids to go to a regional, you have to be able to win in that ballpark in Omaha. Mm-hmm. That's a pitcher's ballpark. And yeah, Nebraska was a benefactor of a couple home runs also gave up a couple of home runs while they were up there. Those are just going to happen in pretty much any ballpark. But it's the pitching that's going to help you win games. Will Walsh having a full, a complete game on a right. Friday night out of the consolation bracket. Those are the types yeah. of things that help you win the conference tournament, win in the regionals, win in the postseason. I think just building up the depth of those quality arms. Nebraska hasn't had those pitchers. Think about a couple of years ago. Yeah, he was playing a, a, a regular position as an everyday position, but he would come in and pitch with Spencer Schwellenbach. 
You also had uh, Chance Roach. Like you had these guys that not only got drafted, but now they're playing really, really well in the minor leagues. You just haven't quite had that these last two yeah. years. The guys develop in that pitching area. Yeah. All right, moving on. Number two. The first round trip Redway flights have been completed. I was on those first Orlando flights. I left Thursday, arrived back to Lincoln on Sunday, as we uh, we just talked about earlier this hour. They're phenomenal flight. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed being on there. And again, thank you to Redway for helping hook hook me and my family up with those. Um, I would. I've been. I've been kind of messing around on the website since we were talking about it, and just just looking. Um, some of the play, Some of the uh, the flights have. Have filled up. Not surprisingly, a lot of have booked them, and so you can't get the lowest price point on uh, on all of the flights anymore. Although there are also random deals if you actually go in and look at the Atlanta flight or the Minneapolis flight or the Dallas flight. Uh, like there are plenty of round trip. If you want to go to Minneapolis for any reason, there are plenty of round trip scenarios for under well under a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there it, are. with with Minneapolis uh, on that one, and like there are a couple. There's a return flight from Atlanta that was twenty two bucks. There was a Dallas flight I think that was nineteen bucks. Uh, one of the directions as well, and so it's not as it stands now. It's it's not that you can get every flight at these ridiculously cheap prices, but they are, but they are there. Mm-hmm. And then most of the the regular prices are st- you're still talking, you know. 109 maybe one way, 129 one way, yeah. 149 one way for the for the ones that are available right now. Um, you know, obviously the ones that are coming up here this summer get booked more quickly. And I think the Orlando and the Vegas ones are the ones. Just judging from the prices, I think the Orlando and the Vegas ones are the ones that the most people are booking. Th- right those now. are those are kind of the premium destinations when you look across the seven flights that they have there. Those are also the only two that are slated to be year round flights. Uh, there are some that I think are supposed to kind of phase out into September, maybe into November. And they'll they'll add, at least from, from talking with the Redway folks and the, the Lincoln Airport folks, trying to add some stuff in around fall break, around the holiday break at Christmas time, hey, around spring break next spring. That's what I was going to say. The, the biggest time I would really want and think about using this is to get somewhere warm quickly during the winter. Yeah. That absolutely that option would be that would be so I don't know where the best location. Obviously, Orlando is is you know warm warmish yeah. in the, in the winter. Um, and 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 I know there's already a flight to Houston that that is offered um, through the airport's other service. That would be a destination too. That would be good. Man, what if you could get Phoenix? Oh, that'd be great. Well, what? Well, and not not talking specifically warm weather places, but I filled out a, a survey and I said I'd really like if there was a flight that went to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. It just seems like kind of a, a region that that's missing among all these. But you've yeah. got Atlanta on there, Dallas, Austin, Minneapolis, Nashville, and obviously Orlando and Vegas. I'm excited to try some of these out. I. I'm going back and forth on whether or not to do the Minneapolis one to the the Minnesota game because <laughs> I want to be at Volleyball Day in Nebraska the night yeah. before the game. Yeah. But the prices are there for people that want to get up there and try to paint the town red. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Moving on. 
number one. Husker football, 80 days away from their final season in the Big Ten West as divisions are set to go away beginning in 2024. Nebraska AD Trev Alberts told Tom Chattel of the Omaha World-Herald that lighter non-conference loads could also be the new norm in the expanded Big Ten Conference. So would you... Would you be okay if they said, all right, we're just not going to schedule a Power 5 conference team in our three non-conference games in the expanded Big Ten? Are you okay with that? Are you, Or once every few years? Like, are we all okay with that going away completely? No, I'm not saying it, it will necessarily, but right. I'm just kind of trying to take the temperature here. I mean, yes and no. So if you're not scheduling another Power 5 team, you're not doing a home and away, right? So so when you do that schedule, when you bring in the, the South Dakota states, when you bring in the Tennessee states, the Middle Tennessees, the whatever, those schools have to come to you. And they're, they're the buy games. You pay them. Georgia Southern this last year. Like those types of games, you're automatically getting those at home. So you guarantee yourself with if it's a year where you only have four home games in the league, you guarantee yourself that you're going to have seven home games. We know what that does to the local economy. Yep. If it's one of the years where you have five home games in the league, you guarantee yourself eight home games. And now they've done a good job of balancing where, where those are, where you're you're getting seven home games regardless of the year because of the, the home and homes that you do with Colorado, Tennessee, Oklahoma that we just had wrapping up. Those types of games... I want these matchups with these other Power Five schools. Yeah, I like, wonder if these will. I wonder if these will stick around. Like some of the ones that are, you look at the schedule for, like twenty twenty four. You've got three home games, like you were talking about. That's UTEP, Colorado, and Northern Iowa. Uh huh. So the Colorado. Then you go out to twenty twenty five and what they've got scheduled. Uh, Akron at Cincinnati. I wonder if they keep that one at Cincinnati and then Louisiana Monroe. For for twenty twenty five, yeah, because Cincinnati will then be a Power Five program. That's a road, and that, that's a road game, and it, I don't know, it's twenty twenty five. I can't remember. It was twenty twenty five a year? They have the m- more home games in twenty twenty five, the higher number. But you keep going and into uh, some of the other future, like twenty twenty six. They've got same three teams: Akron, Cincinnati, and well, that's still twenty twenty five. It's not. Yeah, twenty twenty six. They get Tennessee. Oh yeah, like that that Tennessee one. Will they keep? I mean. That's the thing is, it's not super easy to change this because you're scheduled out 10 years. Yeah, so the Power 5 schools that Nebraska has coming up, obviously Cincinnati will be the one there in 25 and 26. We've got Colorado this year and next year. Tennessee in 26 and 27. Arizona 28 and 31. Oklahoma 29 and 30. Oklahoma State 34 and 35. Yeah, they've got these. They're, they basically have had a scheduling strategy where they put these... The, they're already replete with these games here for a decade, Caleb. Like, so I don't know. Are you going to cancel them? Do you do you make adjustments to the schedule? Do you keep them and then start after that? Because who knows well, if you're if you're just now thinking if you're thinking about twenty thirty six for this. You're adding these schools. So yeah, just played Oklahoma, but Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC the next time you play them for your regular conference games. Arizona has been one of the schools being talked about not being in the Pac-12 anymore. Where are they going to end up? Is that one of the schools that maybe ends up getting added to the Big Ten? Right. Let alone the Big 12. Where's What's going to happen to the Big 12 in Oklahoma State? There are so many questions, question marks on games two years out, let alone 10 years out.
I'm going to guess there's going to be some changes. Yeah. Would you be a bummer too? That Tennessee one that that was that was scheduled prior, and they had to can- they canceled those when they had that planned. I always thought that was a great, great potential matchup. But I don't know. I've kind of mixed feelings on this. I'm hoping- like I get why. The- I'll, I'll say this. I hope that there becomes a requirement because the, the requirement to make a bowl game is you got to get to six wins. I hope the requirement is you have to have ten power five games. I hope I hope they make that requirement. They say we get it. You want to get two other schools to help their funding, to help you with a home game. I hope that they get to the point where they say, we get that, but I want 10, which for, wow. for, for us in Big Ten country be one. means you get one non-con, and for those in the SEC country means they got to schedule two non-con. Yeah, uh, that's not going to happen. I, I know, but I'm yeah. just saying I would like that because I want to see the non-conference games, although the, the bigger the leagues get, we're going to start seeing USC and UCLA. We're going to start seeing some of these other teams anyway. All right, there you go. That is your morning drive brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. Take a break right now. You're listening to Lincoln's News and Talk 1400, 99.3 KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. I start walking your way, you start walking mine. We meet in the middle, meet that old Georgia pine. We gain a lot of ground, cause we both give a little. Ain't no road too long, we meet in All right, it is time to visit with Tim Haruza, our summer friend. Uh, we talk a uh, variety of things with him, and he joins us by phone today. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jack. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, Tim. It's uh, it's great. It is. Uh, it, I, I mean, I listen. I'm I'm going to be honest that we are now into the summer. As much as I complained about the legislature, uh, now that they're gone. It's like it's like oh they 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 gave me something to to talk about every single day. Uh, we're in, we're definitely in the summer months uh, of of the news situation. But I you did remind me uh, that the we're in the beginning salvos of the lawsuit that is going to be a very significant one in terms of what the final decision is on uh, on the probably most talked about bill that passed the legislature this year, and that was the the ended up combined bill on abortion and um, gender treatment for minors. Uh, what what do you know about that lawsuit and what's going to be happening, uh, I guess, later today with it? Well, it's moving quickly, right? And I think everybody sort of expected that, but I, I still think folks in my area, my world were p- still pretty surprised to see the attorney general respond with a brief last week. Um, I think it might've been filed late Thursday night, a uh, brief in response to the um, petition by Planned Parenthood challenging the single subject um, violation, alleged violation of the single subject rule by the passage of 574. So, um, Obviously, the news broke, what, maybe two weeks ago, Jack? I don't even think the session was maybe it was just getting over, not quite over, um, that there was a lawsuit that was filed alleging that the passage of 574 
with the combination of the gender-affirming care restrictions and the abortion ban violated the Constitution's prohibition on legislation carrying more than one subject, right? And this has come up um, probably most prominently sort of in the public arena with respect to ballot petitions, right? So marijuana and gambling, well, I don't know when that's been now, three years ago or right. uh, when both of those petitions got the signatures, they were challenged. If you'll remember, like, the Secretary of State issued opinions on those, um, arguing that, actually, I think the Secretary of State concluded that marijuana was okay, it didn't violate single subject, <laughs> and then the Supreme but that gambling didn't. Right. The Supreme Court reversed both of those, right, or, like, found opposite. They found the opposite for two different found. of those, yeah. Yeah, um, and so you you hear it in that context, and we kind of considered it. We've got some precedent there, but there's a bit of a different rule about how the legislature, it's well, same concept, right? Legislation shall contain but one subject or whatever um, that that applies here, but it's different than the petition initiative. So the P- Planned Parenthood files a lawsuit, argues, hey, the legislature passed this. These are two different things. One's abortion, the other's transgender care. Um, they, they kick it up to the court. The AG responded pretty quickly last week, and Jack, we're going to have arguments to the district court of Lancaster County here this morning. I think the hearing is at 1030. I need to double-check that, but I think it's, via, I think it's also a virtual hearing I don't know, <laughs> uh, at 1030 a.m. So mm-hmm. we'll, have, we'll have some idea of kind of what the faith position is and kind of what Planned Parenthood's arguing and what the, maybe some indication from the judge if there's questions and those sorts of things as to um, what they're thinking about, but things are moving pretty quickly. Um, and that's not necessarily unexpected, right? There's no, there's no question about the facts here. I don't think it really is like, uh, right. What can you, or can't you do within the confines of the constitution? And then from the judge's standpoint and from the, whatever analysis they apply is a restriction on abortion as it's drafted, crafted in 574, a different subject <laughs> mm-hmm. than the transgender care. And I think the, the state's argument, the attorney general's argument was, look, no, they both deal with the general health and welfare of people and they place, they regulate the medical practice. Right. So, right. Do you let me, well, let, broad strokes, I think to, I, to that approach. Yeah. I've got a couple of questions for you, but how much is this happening in legislation? <laughs> I mean, that maybe not exactly <laughs> like this one, but I, I mean, I don't know. How close does it get to the line? There's obviously legislation that has, to some degree, multiple subjects in it. Um, how close is it to what's happening here in, in a whole lot of legislation? I think, and you know, not to over-lawyer the thing, Jack, but I think the key focus is on how you define the, the term subject, right? Are you talking very narrowly about what a single subject might be, right? We got, I don't think you can really quibble with the fact that single means one, but when you're talking about the subject, what do you mean? Are you talking about, um, in, in, uh, let me find another example. Uh, I mean, we pass packages of bills all the time and, and no more than we did this year. Like this year was kind of incredible in terms of the fact that, you know, we got some packages that passed with close to 30 bills, maybe more than 30 bills all rolled into them. The sort of general approach that the legislature has taken, and you know, even from my time on staff for committees, was look, we're going to take bills from the same committee that all fit within, and, and we use like sort of a in, in my world a general conversation about germane. Is it germane to the issue? Right? 
are they are you talking about generally the same sort of subject matter, not necessarily the subject, but the subject matter that the committee deals with or that the legislature deals with in this context? So you'd see, you know, a criminal um, does it open the same chapter of statute, right? So if you're looking at criminal penalties, does something that deals with firearms regulation open up the same chapter of statute in Chapter 28 of Nebraska statutes that sort of, that deals with penalties for drug possession, right? Mm-hmm. So it can be pretty broad strokes, but you like get within the same realm of hey, criminal law penalties for possession of something you shouldn't have, right? Um, you can talk about taxation, uh, the revenue statutes. Is it opening up the same chapter of statute? Is it giving you a hook? Are these two sales taxes related in some way? I mean, I think that's the general rule that's sort of been applied, at least this year, and because of just the nature of the process and how things go, um, it's sort of been a little bit more broad in that, hey, did it go to the same committee, right? So, when the legislature refers bills, they decide, hey, is this a subject that deals with revenue? If it deals with revenue and it deals with that subject, they send it to the revenue committee. Is it a subject that deals with judiciary issues and, and regulation of the judiciary? It goes to the judiciary committee. So they kind of use a little bit broader approach than that. And I think what the question will come down to is, what definition of subject, <laughs> I mean, if they even get to the merits of a case, Jack, but what definition yeah. of subject do you pay attention well, to? Is it, is it what the legislature says the subject is? Is it sort of what, or is it, hey, is it really just the one single issue that you're talking about in that individual bill? I mean, I can make an argument that any two laws, I can make, I can give you a subject that encompasses both of them on almost anything, right? It's just how narrow, right? Can I, am I just saying health, right? Can I put two things under, under health or how specific, how far do you have to drill down? Um, you know, the this the subject is the laws of the state of Nebraska, right? I mean, I, that's a ridiculous right. thing to say, but what I'm trying to point at is that you can broaden it out and you can make a very generalized subject that almost always you're going to be able to get multiple bills to fit under. And so it just goes to what you're saying about the defining that word subject. Well, definitely. And like, even, even before you get to that point, like I said, if, if the court gets to the merit, you kind of got to step back and look at some of like the principles of law, right? So you... I mean, you'll remember the the conversations about, well, separation of powers, right? The legislative branch is a separate branch of government. They have they have some latitude, and they are given some latitude and lots of precedents in different areas for sort of how you how they set up their structure and their rules. I think the AG touched on that in their brief in terms of the the concept that the hey the legislature gets to decide when they're approaching subjects so long as they. So long as they fit within the confines of the Constitution, the legislature gets to decide how it operates. The court, yeah. court can't cross into the legislative branch and say, here's how you operate, here's the rules you must follow, typically. Um, that came up a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember the subpoena lawsuit that um, when the Judiciary Committee subpoenaed the corrections director, there was a lawsuit over that, uh, and it sort of came up. Hey, the, does the legislature set its own rules? Um, how, how do they have to follow them when they do kind of what, what options do they have to sort of change their rules in the process? Um, if they do, there's a ton of this that gets kind of tough. And then you have Jack, the general question of standing, right? Is Planned Parenthood the right person, person, entity, um, and their medical director is it to, to challenge this in the first place? And who knows what the, like, 
who knows how fast this will get decided and on what well, basis, but it'll set some precedent. Well, I was just going to ask you, won't the for one of the first questions be for an injunction here? And and that might give you a little bit yeah. of a clue on what's going to happen with the case. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably indicative of why it's uh, moving so quickly, right? You decide whether to enjoin the enactment of that. So the other thing, like 574 is effective, right? It had an emergency clause attached to it. Um, the abortion piece of that bill, the restriction on abortion, uh, went into effect and is presently effective. The transgender care side had a delayed effective date. So it's, the emergency clause makes it effective immediately, but it's not, it's not technically effective or those provisions don't go into effect right. until October 1st of later this year. Um, but here's, I mean, the thing on that piece too, Jack, and, uh, this is where like you're going to see more lawsuits coming forward is at least on the transgender side, as that currently stands, it bans any care until or unless the, the chief medical officer for the state issues rules and regulations authorizing something else. And so even after October 1st, unless they have rules and regulations in place, you're not, you're not going to be able to get gender care for, for a minor. That's my understanding of it. I mean, there might be lawyers who have, who have dived into this deeper, even doctors, but uh, my understanding is until those rules and regulations are in place, as after October 1st, yeah. there's no, no access to that type of care, yeah. period. And that's where you'll get, I think, once that gets a little bit closer, you'll get some more challenges to the merits of the bill rather than just the process by which it passed. Uh, thinking about talking about ballot initiatives got me thinking is you, you got this one up and running pretty quickly here on the issue of the the tax breaks for scholarships for private schools um, and and the opponents of that bill getting going. They're already gathering signatures. There's I mean, if, if nothing else, they're moving very fast on this. I don't know what kind of a chance they've got at the polls if this actually gets there i know it's kind of a unique issue caleb and i have talked about this and how it's looked looks maybe in omaha versus how it's looking in some of the rural areas of the state but what do you make of at least just the the beginning of that petition drive that they're doing on this issue well it's spun up pretty fast and part of that is because you know once that bill was introduced and you saw early on in the session it getting the 33 votes it needed the opposition and this is a the issue itself, Jack, I think that bill has been prioritized and fallen short of cloture maybe seven times previously mm. in the last seven times, maybe in the last six years or something like that. Um, and then a few times even before that. So it's not an issue that's new. It's been it's been defeated in the legislature on a filibuster multiple times over the last decade. And so kind of the opponents to that, and I, this is where you sort of elections matter, right? Um, the, the makeup of the legislature changed enough and you get 30, you get to 33 votes um, and you support a bill and they, they thought sort of coming. So once you realize that the bill is going to pass, you start focusing your efforts on hey, organizing for this. And, and as you know, too, we saw it with the death penalty, what in 2015 or whenever that was, there's a different process for stopping enactment of a statute than there is for enacting a statute or a constitution change, right? It's a lower mm-hmm. threshold of signatures, but you have a shorter time window to get it. And so um, summer months, they're going to, the petition initiative is up and running. They announced it very quickly. I think you're going to see them lean sort of um, lean on teachers, right? So the argument is that it takes resources away from public schools. And it's not a bad time to get volunteer petition circulators to our teachers yeah, that are on. That's what break, I thought. Hire teachers. Yeah, that's uh, why I. So, that was so. one of the biggest reasons that I was thinking they were doing this particularly quickly and getting it running during the summer. 
So definitely getting it up so you have the volunteers, but also because you have a short time window, right? In order for them to get on the ballot, the general election ballot, not this fall, but next fall, I think their signature window is maybe like October, September, October this year. I can't remember what the total number of days is. There's a certain number of days after passage of the legislation that they have um, and then adjournment of the body to to get the signatures to put it on the ballot. So, you know, like like when you're talking marijuana, they'll have until July of next year to get the signatures. There's a deadline before the date of the election on the repeal of an enactment of the legislature it's a lot shorter time okay that's good but but you have a lower threshold of signatures right so it's kind of this this give and take catch 22 there right yeah hey real real quick i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not gonna ask you to delve all into the the ins and outs of the the trump thing legally but i i am curious what do you think of the timing of this thing i know federal cases kind of typically move a little bit quicker than a state case would move but you're going to be in primary season coming up a year from now less than a year from now and then general election do you, do you think this thing finishes up if it actually would go to trial or something like this like right smack dab in middle of election season 2024 it almost has to doesn't it i mean <laughs> this entire thing is is more it's more unexpected for me than i i had anticipated i don't know how the timing works except that it's also been going on for a long time jack like I, this investigation has been underway for, what, two years probably um, internally over yeah. there, maybe even longer. I mean, it's been four years since the almost three and a half, whatever, three years since um, since Donald Trump left office. And so it's not exactly been slow. And I suppose you're probably running into, like, do we just keep this train running down the track now that he's head down, heading down toward the Republican primary? Um, I think... At least the answer that you have from them now is, look, we got to continue the process. Um, you know, once he becomes the primary, like if he wins the primary and becomes the nominee again, I don't know if you continue to prosecute him. Like this whole thing and like wrapped into timing and the politics right. of it is just, it gets really, if you don't try to get it wrapped up before the primary, it gets really difficult if he is the Republican that's, Party. That's nominee. exactly what I was thinking or of. elected president, like, then, <laughs> right. then you're done with this whole thing, I think. Um, right. It just is really hard to prosecute a president. But at the same time, Jack, and I, I don't know enough except for what I've seen reported in the national media. Um, so, like, take it with a grain of salt. But there's some serious, serious allegations in there about, you know, what may or may not have been shared with others and how it was all handled. But... Yeah, I just and I think and that I think draw some distinctions on how others who have had classified documents have oh handled boy. them or been accused of having them, and maybe that's the point too is to like just make that distinction clear. Uh, I know, but I don't. The, the I just don't know how what you what you said about the timing is going to be really interesting in this whole thing uh, and i don't everybody's everybody will have their opinion yeah that <laughs> is that's, that's the why, one thing you can say for sure that's why we're given the power of the vote yeah so all right hey uh thank you for for your time today i appreciate it tim we will uh we'll talk to you next week all right take care jack no timmer's uh joining us our summer friend at 827 selling k today with jack and friends on klin Severe weather means interruptions, check closings, and cancellations anytime at KLIN.com. I'm meteorologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 835 LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Glad to have you back with us. Up to 58 degrees in the capital city. 
Uh, <laughs> well, we are in we are in peak off season summer building up to the season mode when it comes well when it comes to a lot of things actually, but especially in Husker football. And there was a a, a very um, a, a very on brand portion of the discussion that went on this weekend when it came to that and a lot of vitriol on social media uh tom chattel put out an article that uh, that referenced playing in the big 10 west as slumming versus having a uh, more difficult extensive schedule in the big 10 playing a wide variety of teams and that fired people up that fired opposing writers and fans up and it was like i said it was a very on-brand thing for the offseason mike are we ready are we ready for what oh let's say 10 12 weeks of this uh just need just something something to talk about as we get closer and closer to the season i'm like i i sort of missed all of this outside of like a baseball writer quote tweeted it and he mentioned the word slumming and he's like, Nebraska shouldn't even be talking about slumming since they haven't won a bowl game since the Foster Farms Bowl. And I didn't even really like look into it that much. So I completely missed the latest controversy. Oh, good. Here in here in Nebraska. I don't I don't know if it was because I was too busy covering every new legacy commit that Nebraska's <laughs> getting with uh with with Camden Cook jumping on board here, joining T1 Smith and then the uh the you know Mario Buford. Yeah, uh, we we got a lot of legacies in this class, but or the fact that Nebraska just offered the son of Ken Clark. Oh, really? Uh, you know, over the weekend, Quinn Clark, uh, a wide receiver from wow. Montana. Wow. So yeah, I I completely missed this. Now I gotta. So let me let me ask: Is this like is it worth it for me to try to go wade back into it, or is just gonna just die out like in a day and a half? Uh, it'll die out. It'll, it, it'll die out and it'll be very frustrating to go back, to go back through because it was, a, it was kind of a throwaway comment in a article that was kind of interesting on a different level, just in terms of the strategy for scheduling, which I think we should talk about in the larger kind of, kind of thing. But it was, it was just a reference basically saying, the new the new conference scheduling will be more interesting and better than the old days of the Big Ten West. Um, well, I mean, I think that's kind of true, right? Like you're going to get a more varied group of opponents. Right. Um, he used the word yeah. slumming, and then that sounded like a put down. <laughs> that sounded like a put down to the rest of the Big Ten West, which Nebraska shouldn't be putting anyone. The, the argument goes Nebraska can't put anyone else down because they've sucked essentially. Sure. But as long as we all agree that the Big Ten West isn't very good, it's not like you can really take that much offense to it. Yeah. You know, like every Big Ten West team can just acknowledge the reason they play or they have an opportunity to play in Indy for a title is because they're not in the Big Ten East at the moment. Like it's just a, you know, it just seems like that's a, a word choice and almost a statement of fact. And the rest of it just seems like, you know, splitting hairs. Now, for me, oh, go ahead, Caleb. Just real quick, because we, we talked, it was, uh, what, about a decade of the Big Ten West, once you get in through this year. You had a little bit more of that of the uh, Big 12 North. What was the worst division? Oh, the, it's the Big Ten West, definitely, right? 
Yeah, I mean, the North at least got a few of the yeah. titles early on, but then it was all the Big 12 South towards the end. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's got to be the Big 10 West. I mean, we're at the point right now where I don't know that there's even a top 25 team for this season coming out of the Big 10 West. <laughs> I mean, I think someone will end up with numbers next to their name because they play in the Big 10 West. Mike, but this feels like a very 8-4 and four is going to win the division kind of thing. Oh my goodness! It, it's so I have the mirror thing happening as a Kansas City Royals fan. Well, you've got a team in that division too. We've got our teams sure in the worst, but your team has learned how to take advantage of it, and mine is is has this opportunity to just be slightly bad, slightly below average, and still have a fun, interesting season for the fans. But they can't even do that. It's it's like a mirror image of this whole discussion. I can't believe it. Yeah, I find the the AL Central thing sort of stupid, too, because people want to talk up the AL East as if this juggernaut prepares them for the playoffs. I think they've made the World Series the same amount of times uh, in in the last decade as the AL Central has, thanks to your Royals and, <laughs> and the, the Guardians-Indians combo. Yeah. So the Yankees, who play in the greatest division of all time with the most That's money, true. they haven't made the – so, like, what? Like it's one of those things – this is why, you know, I'm – I'm totally fine getting rid of divisions because I think you should just let teams stand on their own and whatever else. But it's also one of those things where, like, we also make divisions way, way more important than they actually are sometimes uh, because uh, teams get, like, notoriety for just being in the division. Yeah, You know, the Blue Jays and the Orioles catch a lot of benefits of being in the division of the Yankees and the Red Sox, and then the Rays recently have been pretty good. But the Blue Jays and the Orioles, Right. I've made some ALCS, but it's not like they're, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things that always happens when you get a cluster of pretty good teams. The SEC West, everyone regards as this amazing division. It's really LSU and Alabama. Yeah. Like, it's not like Mississippi State has just been on fire right. for the last 25 years. So it's just, that's, this just always has this good. Texas A&M has been slumming it up in the, the SEC West because they, <laughs> they, they are the slum. Tweet that. Um, yeah, tweet that, yeah. Mike. Don't want to see that. So it, you know, it's just it's all how you frame it, and that's, that's basically how these things get started. It's a word choice by a writer, and then it's just yeah. we live in outrage culture and everything. From, from 96 through 2022, the division Nebraska has played in has won five conference titles. Okay. Four Nebraska times. Won one of them. Got one of those in 97. And then, yeah. so it was four times the Big 12 North. Only once has Nebraska in the Big 10 had their division win. And that was they, Michigan they State. 99, 99 they or, beat Texas. Yeah, 99, also. 90, yeah. yeah. Two of them. So they have so two. Yeah. two of the five. Yeah, two of the five. Two of the five. So there have been three. Kansas, so Colorado has one. Kansas State got one, I want to say, right, against Oklahoma. Didn't they beat Oklahoma? Kansas State in 03. Yeah, 03. Darren Sproles. Uh, Colorado has one. In 01. And then that's four, right? And then there's is there one in the Big Ten West? Not in the Big Ten West. It was one no, of his legends a, and leaders. Yeah. It was Michigan State. Oh. I was gonna, that's right. Michigan yeah. State. I do not remember that. At, who did they beat? I don't. They even, beat Ohio State. I don't even remember that, Mike. It was Mike. number that 10 the, nationally against number 2 nationally, Ohio is, State. Is that the sad pizza game for Urban Meyer? Oh, maybe it is. the sad, That I definitely remember. I remember the sad pizza. That very well. I thought maybe that was a, a bowl game, though. You could be right. You could be right. Uh, that That is interesting. 
That's interesting. Nebraska, so luckily Nebraska's carried the bad divisions they've been in to most of their conference titles. That's a different way to look at it, definitely. <laughs> that's the way to frame it. That's a five-star publicity, uh, you know, public relations, damage control spin. That is well done, Jack. Very well done. Um, how do you – do you uh, – as a fan – I w- the one thing I wish about the schedule. I'm not w- complaining about the difficulty or anything like that. And and I think you get. I I think there is an offsetting benefit to this. But I do. I don't love the fact that there's only one team that Nebraska sees on its schedule every year. That just that doesn't feel like college football to me. Um, how do you how do you react to that? Yeah, I I, I understand that. I mean, the, the downside of it is that there was really no natural. I mean unless you really wanted to table pound for one of Minnesota, Northwestern, Wisconsin, there's not like a national team that makes sense uh, that you would see every year. I almost wish that there was like a Nebraska UCLA every year. So then you just sort of build something. Yeah. uh, I would have said do it with Penn state for that matter. Yeah. I mean, just find a team. Like, so my whole thing was you just find, you know, another team or two where you just commit to this idea that you're going to try to build something because, playing every year is going to create more animosity than you see Wisconsin. And then there's two years in between you see Wisconsin again, it's going to be a completely different team, especially in the transfer portal era. So uh, I, I definitely understand that my, my only real complaint um, is that it just feels like Nebraska's home games, you know, they're under, they're trying to undergo a stadium renovation. And if they don't win games in 2023, Trev Alberts is going to have a very, very tough time selling tickets and asking for a donation increase for another swath of the stadium when it's already hard to do it with a new coach when excitement is generally the highest uh, before the new coach actually has to start coaching games. So it's, you know, that home schedule for 24 is pretty ugly. Um, And then that home schedule for 25 really only includes the same team that they've gotten at home a bunch of times in Michigan. Like they just, they haven't really, uh, I, not a bunch of times, but recently they played Michigan right. at home. Right, you know, relative to UCLA comes then too, I think. But yeah. yeah, but it's it's pretty. You know, you're going to Ohio State, you're going to USC, you're going to State College. Like it's just, it's one of those things. There's there's a handful of helmet games, and it feels like most of Nebraska's are on their own. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that because I think the offsetting benefit for not having you know several regular games every single year is that. You know, it's kind of like to go back to baseball again, you know, like how they change the baseball schedule. So every team in Major League Baseball is coming into every city, whatever it is, every two years or something like that. That I mean, that that should be the idea is that you get a chance to see every single team in your school city every X number of years. I don't know what it works out to be in two or three years. I think that it would have looked different if they released all four because they're doing it. You know, it's supposed to be based over four years, but. What's going to happen the next wave during realignment? I mean, you might get two years of these schedules, and then it's going to get blown up. And then if you're, I know, you know that's why it's so hard to even. That's how hard. Uh, that's why it's kind of hard to even talk about. It. Like, does anybody believe we're going to even ever going to get a 2026 schedule uh, uh, under this plan? Like, yeah, it I mean, seems I, I actually don't. unlikely. I I really don't because how many of those important contracts end in 2025 anyway? So, I mean, so I, I wouldn't. I'm not expecting that there's going to be the same 16 teams for 2026 and 2027, but that's just how this is going to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. Well, it's uh, I guess my my thing on the no divisions. I just don't. I guess I hate conference championship games. I, I I detest conference championship games. I think they should work them into the playoff or, or do something. I I guess I am happy that there will be at least a, a better chance of that being a good, interesting game um, yeah. th- than, I, than there is now. I really wish, out of all the things from 2020, that it should never have happened. The one thing that I loved was championship week idea. You play eight conference games. You get matched up for your ninth. Everybody plays that yeah. week, including the, the top two teams to determine who wins the conference. Everyone else gets matched up with a team they haven't played yet. Like, and you can, you can try to figure out the home and away after that. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I think that is a, is a fun way to kind of finish the, the season every year. And I, I would prefer it. Now I could see where if you have two teams that have nothing to play for. And you're you're pitting them to play each other in the first week of December, like Nebraska and Rutgers on a Friday night in no, Piscataway. That game was hopping. Everybody was into it. We're gonna remember that as Wandale's last charge. Uh, yes. We're gonna you know we're gonna remember that as like Adrian Martinez four touchdown four turnover game. Uh, Dedrick Mills. Yeah, I'm pretty sure pretty sure for those that were there, Luke McCaffrey was warming up, and then he like went in, put his pads away, and he never had those pads on again. Like there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska's decision not to play in a bowl game, I'm pretty sure, was hatched and announced that night. Like that was wow. a, that was a marquee game. I didn't realize we needed a full thirty for thirty on that game. I barely <laughs> oh, remember yeah. it. I've been working with the BTN. This is what's going to play during future rain delays instead of the lacrosse. <laughs> instead of the lacrosse, or instead of a look back at Northwestern's, you know, yeah. 1987 season, a four hour uh, piece or. You know the game that you can you're guaranteed to see at least twice a year without even trying that hail mary win against Northwestern. That yes. thing is on yeah. all the time. Either that or the- on my screen is Jordan Westercamp every single year, like three times. And I I like Jordan Westercamp. I just don't understand why this is 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 that really like the marquee Nebraska? Yes, Big Ten game. Yeah, pretty much. It, it's got to be the Michigan State one. They beat a playoff team at home. Brandon Riley may or may not have been inbound. Yeah, that's true. Why don't they play that one? They also play the 2010 Missouri game a lot, which is not a Big Ten game. I always think that's interesting. But it's not even a full Big 12 game anymore either. (laughs) They, like everyone else, just enjoy seeing Missouri get absolutely destroyed by Roy Yes, yes, they do. (laughs) They do. uh, Back to the the Chattel article, like the larger part of it was kind of talking about how Trev may be a, a little bit more reluctant to schedule. To, to have kind of that marquee game as a non-conference uh, game, I, I guess that would be a Power 5 opponent. Uh, but you look at the schedule going out, Mike, and like they've got, they go to Cincinnati in a couple years, which is kind of odd. That'll be a Power 5 team. You got Oklahoma on again. You've got Tennessee. You've got Arizona. You got Oklahoma State on there. Do you think they're going to rethink? Do you think there's a chance they'll actually rethink some of those some of those games that are scheduled because there's like, if you're changing this, you're changing it for like 2035 at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just the SECification of scheduling. Like everyone's looking at what they're doing. They're not even playing non-conference games. They play the weakest non-conference every year. You know, they tout Kentucky versus Louisville as this major matchup as part of their non-conference thing. You get Florida, Florida. So they have all these like built-in games. And they act like that just carries everything. Meanwhile, you have teams that don't ever leave the state to play at away campuses. So it's just, uh, I think 
you know, if this is what you're trying to do, if you're trying to match the SEC, you're going to start to emulate them a little bit more and more. And that's just bad for college football fans because those non-conference matchups are a lot of fun early in the season. You get those big September matchups on week two or three. Mm-hmm. You get to see a team from the Pac-12 versus the Big Ten or whatever. And it's fun to kind of compare and contrast and to watch the styles and all of it. I just think some of that's going to go away. I think we're going to see a lot more by games. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, I, I don't look for the schedules to be great. Now, you have to fill out your obligations, obviously, and we'll see what they do with Cincinnati, but I wouldn't be surprised if that game's on the chopping block. Yeah. Me too. Oh, it's too bad because that'd be a cool place to go see a game. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, this would be the second straight time because it was one of the games that was scheduled and was lost in, in the pandemic year. In that's right. That's right. Well, and I hope those, you know, those, those Tennessee trips too. I, uh, those got can't, there was, that was supposed to happen a few years ago too. That got ripped off the schedule. Yep. Yeah. I, I think st- Arizona's on there, Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee. There's one other one, like an ACC one, I think. You know, it's interesting. You could, if, if Nebraska had a, like a, you know, like a Georgia, Georgia Tech, like a Clemson, South Carolina, like a Kentucky, Louisville, like an in state non conference rival, <laughs> until Creighton gets a football team, or unless you schedule a home and home with Doan every year, uh, you can't quite totally have that SEC things that thing that makes that work a little bit. Yeah, and it's just uh, I mean, which it again, it's not that they don't play good teams, but Georgia, Georgia Tech, like that, you were going to call that. Now Georgia was set to play Oklahoma this year; they canceled that because they're going to be in the SEC together next year, and they didn't. You know, yeah. I think it was a favor to Brent Venables. Yeah, he called and he was like, "Hey, we're going to have to play these guys more often. We shouldn't have to play them right now." Yeah, so uh, they released that game. But yeah, I mean, they, you'd rather see a team like Georgia go play. You know, how amazing would it be if Georgia and USC played right right away? Yeah. Caleb Williams versus New Look Georgia, yeah. Week Three. Like those are the sort of matchups that when we were all younger happened occasionally, and they were awesome. Like you got to see some really really good games. Yeah. Yeah, completely. I mean, just just look at Nebraska's history, right? Nebraska and Penn State, Nebraska and Florida right. State in the in the regular season. Yeah, um, and those it just does it's not going to happen like that anymore. And then so then you aren't really going to see those teams unless you get into uh, the the Pop Tart Bowl or the the college football playoff. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, it's true. It, I mean. I, at this point, you almost maybe expansion of the playoff helps make that more attractive to teams, but that is a concern, and and you're going to see it this year because I think week two, week one, and week two are pretty are pretty weak. W e a k in terms of the matchups. So, and I hate neutral site games. Like you playing neutral site yeah. non conference games is the weeniest thing of all time. Yeah, like they're never in. Cause the, the thing about a football field, unlike baseball or basketball, where you can play in some cool arenas that are old and rustic and everything a football field is a football field is a football field like it, you're not gonna like these settings where they play the non-conference game you know a lambo is about the only sort of interesting one otherwise they're all just like oh hey look they're playing in a giant dome yeah. that looks the exact same as this other giant dome right and it just you know it just feels so like bland to me like yeah. I, I don't know you want these teams on the road. You want it to be kind of like nighttime. You want to see a team have to go into LSU and try to win a non-conference game. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that Florida State and LSU are, are playing neutral sites back-to-back years. Like, yeah. it's just uh, it's disappointing to me. Like, yeah. it, it's probably one of the things I hate the most. 
All right. A lot of ground covered there uh, in the offseason, and we we continue to wait. How many days, Caleb? 80? Oh, you just wrote it up on the board. 80. 80, 80 days till we got a game. It's shrinking a little bit, Mike. We're getting closer. You know, one of the things I've learned about doing this show weekly, and when you guys have countdowns, is it's always seven different from the last time that I was on. That's so next true. week it's going to be it's going to be seventy three, and now I'm just going to have this filed away in my head. And that's how math works. <laughs> I know. Go. <laughs> I was stunned when I was a kid, and I learned that you know seven is just as massively important divisible number, both for football and calendar. Yes, well, I was always good at the multiples of seven. All right, thanks, thanks Mike. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. All right, see you guys. Mike Schaefer of Husker 24-7. 56 will wrap up the show after this on KLIN. I'm meteorologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, that is it for your Monday morning show. Back here tomorrow, Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska. Uh, we are going to uh, hear from the Lincoln Arts Council. We've got a big event coming up this weekend. John Baylor. Maybe we'll have a volleyball schedule by the time John Baylor comes and joins us, and he can give us a little <laughs> bit nice. of, of analysis on that. So we got that. Hey, I didn't mention it yet, but I think I did on Friday briefly, but Request Line Friday this week, it is Father's Day weekend. Woo-hoo. So it's our Father's Day edition of Request Line Friday. The text line is open for you to make your request now. Songs that... Remind you of dad or that dad likes or liked uh, or anything that kind of goes along with that whole thing with Father's Day. So you can text those in starting anytime to get your songs in for Request Line Friday. All right, that's it. We will see you tomorrow. We're ending on 57 degrees. It is 9 o'clock on KLIM Lincoln.